they've all got grandmas, and they've all got stories. I'm Chloe Hung, and this is Stories from My Grandma. Join me each week as I sit down with a different grandchild to talk about their unique grandma. stories from my grandma. Today I've got Davis Carr with me. Hi Davis. Hi Chloe. Hi. Thanks for coming to talk to me about your grandma, your mom's mom. Uh, Can you, well let's start off with you. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? I am a master's student at Ryerson University writing my thesis on selfies Um, and when I'm not doing that I am a freelance digital media specialist. Ooh, very nice. Very fancy. So what is your grandmother's name? My grandmother's name is Edith Ballantyne. She was born in 1922 in Tahov, uh, what was then Czechoslovakia, um, the German-speaking part, also known as the Sudetenland, and Bohemia, which sounds badass. <laughs> it certainly does. And she's had a pretty badass life. Yeah. Which so, you're going to tell us about. Yeah, absolutely. So just launch into it. Yeah, let's okay. go. <laughs> um, so my grandmother's parents were socialists um, and teachers. So I guess they were doing that um, when she was a little girl. Um, and then when she was 16, um, well, World War II broke out, obviously. Um, and her parents being socialist, um, her father organized to send them out um, of the country. Um, so he, uh, the family left first. She was 16 at the time. Um, they went to Britain initially, and she was part of, there were two waves of Czech uh, rescue refugees, um, 200 in the first wave, and I think 200 in the second wave. And they were basically chilling in Britain for a while. And as my grandmother describes it, like nobody really wanted them. They weren't really sure what to do with them. Um, so they ended up sending them to Northern British Columbia, where they were essentially told to clear the land and were like slave labor. Whoa. Yeah. It was <laughs> super intense. So uh, how old was she then when she went to British Columbia? She would have been 16 or 18. I'm not sure how long it took them to actually flee Europe. Um, but So she would have been in her late teens. Wow. So still really young. Yeah, really young. So um, then she was also working to clear mm-hmm. the land? Yeah, so they were, um, she was in British Columbia for a while. I can't exactly remember all of the dates, um, so I'll have to fact check a lot of this later. <laughs> um, but essentially she she was telling these stories about from when they were in the camps and it became, they were sort of told, not that any of them could really speak English at all, so that caused a lot of difficulties, but they were essentially informed that they would get the land after they cleared it and they would sort of, you know, create farming communities for them. But it became pretty obvious to the workers that that wasn't going to happen, just the way they were asked to clear the land and things like that. So her, my grand, great grandfather actually organized a protest (laughs) with all of the laborers. Um, and they, had a sit-down pro- protest and refused to work, which didn't go over very well because none of them could speak English, so they couldn't articulate their demands. Um, and the Mounties got involved and apparently like, forced them back to work and had guns and batons and stuff. So it was a really intense scenario. 
from what she told me. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really huge. Yeah. So eventually she left her family and, or I can't remember if the entire family left, but she ended up in Toronto where she worked as a maid for a number of years. And it was during this time that she first became involved with the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. They were working with uh, displaced persons um, in the wake of the Second World War, and they were teaching English to refugees. So they, that's actually how she learned to speak English, was through this organization. She later moved to Montreal and met my grandfather. I'm fuzzy on all of the details as to how that happened, because usually when we talk, it's mostly about the first part of her life. Um, But after she married my grandfather, he got a job with the ILO, the International Labor Organization, in Geneva. So they moved to Geneva and started the family. So my mother and Oh, so your mom was also born. Yeah, they were all born in Geneva. I see. Um, so why do you think it is that she always emphasized more on her early life for your grandfather? She actually doesn't talk about it that much. It's more the family I think mm. were mostly interested in that the early parts. As well, for my mom, she was around for the latter half of my grandmother's life and career. Because um, my grandmother actually went on to become the president of, well, the International League for Peace and Freedom, um, which is, once the kids were out of the house, she started working again. And so she had like a pretty late career. So your family has had this, uh, it sounds like a very long legacy of social mm-hmm. activism, starting with your grandfather organizing everybody Mm -hmm. um, and then your grandmother and your Mm -hmm. grandfather and your mom and now you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's quite, it's a lot to live up to sometimes. Um, Not that I I don't really think that about having to live up to a legacy very often, but uh, especially with my mom's line of work, you know, she Mm -hmm. works for unions and it's always been very much part of my life, the community activism and organizing. So Mm -hmm. What is your, what's your grandmother like as you remember her now oh, to be? My, my grandmother's awesome. <laughs> she's so, she's so smart is the, my biggest takeaway and extremely wise. We've always had very mature conversations, really political conversations, but I think her, her politics as well. She's such a strong pacifist. She's has such socialist and communal ideals that I find incredibly inspiring and her whenever we meet I try to ask her about her take on world events and things and she just stresses this pacifist peaceful approach to everything that I really find inspiring as well as her anti-capitalist beliefs as well (laughs) um I assume that sort of comes from her childhood yeah had to flee absolutely well and being raised by socialists as well i think that's always been very much part of who she is and her identity cool so uh did your mom talk about her Mm -hmm. as a mom yeah um that's a really interesting question i think my mom talks about her parenting in contrast to how both she raised me and my brother but also how my grandfather interacted with the children he was a very powerful force in the family. And one of my earliest memories of him actually is being very intimidated and almost fearful um, because he just was such a strong presence. Um, And so I think 
there was a lot of he was sort of had these iron class rules where uh, she sort of worked within them and was like the mediator between the children and the father. Um, and the, the, my aunts and uncles have had many conversations about her parenting. And I think they feel that she was almost too hands off. Like she, she says now that she never really realized what they were feeling about my grandfather and sort of their personal struggles, the Mm -hmm. inter-sibling struggles. Um, So I think she was more of, she's always sort of been a bit on a pedestal for the family. I think that's safe to say. How much of that do you think is her, um, just her personality or uh, versus women of that time who often had to let their husbands just do whatever they want. (laughs) Well, I mean, you definitely can't discount that Mm -hmm. social context, but I do speaking to her now, something that I'm very struck by, it's her lack of sentimentality. Like Mm, she doesn't have attachment to physical things and she can very easily let go. And I think maybe part of, you know, going through the trauma of being a refugee was having to be content with nothing and sort of having that distance from the physical in that respect. Um, but I think maybe the effect is that it can make you more emotionally distant as well. If you don't have the same kind of nostalgia or sentimentality as other people. So did, was she a supportive mom, a supportive grandmother? Do you say? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's, she's great. Um, and you know, very, very encouraging of the people in our family. Um, but also other people, she, has there's always people staying at her apartment when she she used to lease the empty rooms in the flat so they're growing up when we visited there was always strangers in the house they're always very large dinners whenever we visit there's always sort of a parade of people coming through to almost to like pay homage to her like just to have these political conversations so she, yeah there she's there's a warmth about her that is very engaging and very comforting Um, And she's the type of person who, when you speak with her, she makes you feel like you're the only person in the room and is very engaged. That's awesome. That's a very good skill to have. Very much so. (laughs) Uh, So how did your mom then get back to Canada? Did they all move back or was it just your mom? Um, That's a really interesting question because they, when you work for the UN or those organizations, they would send you back to your home country for free. Um, and so growing up, my grandfather used to make them take the ship because the travel time didn't count towards their vacation hours. And so that was the longest he could get off. <laughs> so they would have this like two weeks passage or whatnot across the Atlantic Ocean wow. to go visit Canada. And so I think like Canada was always very much their home. They never, none of the children ever got Swiss citizenship because they have mandatory military service. Okay. And so in the pacifist nature, my grandparents, they never, you know, registered their children. So they were always Canadian. They also went to an international school in Geneva. So I think there was always a very strong sense of Canada is our real home, even though they were, had always lived in Geneva. And so they would go back quite a bit and all of the siblings moved to Canada. Oh. My, uh, the oldest, uh, son, Aiden was on the Canadian national ski team. Uh, so he skied for Canada. He was, I think he was in like the year before the crazy Canucks, which oh, is really cool. Okay. So he's living in Vancouver right now. And then 
my aunt lives in Montreal and my, my uncle originally moved to Ottawa. Both my mom and my uncle went to what, uh, Carleton university. Uh, well, they technically fun fact went to St. Pat's college, which is now part of Carleton university. Whoa. <laughs> Canadian history coming up. <laughs> There's going to be a quiz later. Um, so, yeah, so they were living in Ottawa, and that's just sort of where my mom ended up banking her career and ended up settling and meeting my dad, and voila. Do you think your mom felt pressure to follow sort of in the footsteps of her parents and her mother? I'm not sure. I don't think pressure. I think just a very, it was just always part of their upbringing. And then her career with the union started when she was working at Carleton and ended up working for QP. So that, I think it was just a very natural transition mm-hmm. into that environment, as well as being part of the spirit of activism in the 70s. So your grandmother is now in Geneva? Yes. And you're about to go visit her? Yes. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be landing in Geneva. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm really pumped. When was the last time you saw her? Last time I saw her was last May. My brother, my mom and I were visiting. Um, And part of why I'm going is because she's coming back for Thanksgiving. So I'm going to be flying with her. And she'll be, she's doing kind of Canadian tour of all the siblings. (laughs) (laughs) How old is she? She is 92. Wow. That's up there. It Um, is. So how long ago did your grandfather pass? My grandfather passed in 1998. Did you notice a change at all with her after he passed? It's really hard to say because I didn't spend a lot of time with them together and I was so young that I didn't have a great picture of their dynamic. He was also very ill for a while. Um, So my memories of him are always sort of being in the more of a feeble, ill state. Right. So she was always sort of the strong, fiery Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you have any memories of uh, uh, visiting her as a kid? I do. It... It's all a bit of a blur, um, especially the old apartment where my mom grew up. Um, they, she moved out of there, I think, almost five years ago now. And it had been a while since I was at the old flat. Um, so mostly it's just the smells, like the smell of the laundry room, the smell of the, the living room and the, car- the old carpets and stuff. Um, I remember watching The Aristocrats in French and being very upset that it was in French and not English. <laughs> and she watched it with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just, she had no idea what's going on, but just curled up next to her. These days, um, one of our favorite things to do is watching TV, um, watching sports and skiing and billiards on TV. And then um, she's been introduced to iTunes and stuff like that, the Apple TV. So we watch dramas and things. (laughs) (laughs) That's really fun that you guys can do that together. Yeah, it's really great. And you said that she's really easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mostly just hanging out. We just like, we eat, we drink wine, we watch TV, we read, we walk to the store and get more food to eat, (laughs) more (laughs) wine to drink. It's very relaxed. That's really nice. Mm -hmm. 
That's sort of like the very stereotypical Europeans, like yes. idealized lifestyle. <laughs> very much so. I would love to retire mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> uh, so how do you think uh, she's influenced you or rather her legacy mm-hmm. has influenced you? Oh, enormously. Um, I think even just knowing that it's something to live up to um, and it's something that I've inherited that I feel, I feel like it's a gift to have somebody with so much power um, and interesting thoughts and a passion. So I'm just hoping to, I figure if I can make her proud, then I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm sure you have made her proud. <laughs> but does she know about um, your thesis and what you do and all of this? Yeah, I mean, when we speak about it, she she's very quick to say like, oh, you're so much smarter than me. I don't understand all of these technology <laughs> things. But she always has such a acute political analysis of the world and like a, like understanding how the role of capitalism and stuff. I feel I have a lot to learn from her. Can you sort of give an example of uh, her like political analysis of something? Um. I don't want to get her in trouble too much, <laughs> but I, uh, we've had conversations about the way she feels certain international organizations, the, the, the movement in the world towards what she would describe as sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like giving in to sort of government and capitalist pressures and not being yeah. radical enough. Um, and so I think people acquiescing to sort of the way the status quo. Um, and so she, she thinks that capitalism is the root problem of political inequality and of violence in the world. And that the, there's no point in addressing, not there's no point, but the, the important thing is to address income inequality and structural inequality as opposed to simply fighting these wars. So when you're over there, what are you going to ask her? Oh, man. Well, I'm hoping to record her story. Um, <gasps> That'd be great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, she's, you know, because she's getting on an age and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I think I'm just trying to soak up as much as her as I can and ask all of the questions and prod in all of the different ways and just try to collect all of these memories of her while I still have a chance. That's really beautiful. Is there anything else you want to tell us about your grandma? Oh, man. Um, she makes incredible cucumber salad <laughs> and a really, really good tartar sauce as well. Ooh. Is she a good cook? She's a really good cook. Um, she used to smuggle us meat from <laughs> Viennese Sachet from Switzerland and try to cover it up by also bringing laundry detergent, which we couldn't get here and like try to cover up the smell. (laughs) She's quite the rebel. Yeah. Um, and actually there's interesting. So she, she fled Tahov, which is in the Western part of the Czech Republic. And years later, her, my grandfather and my mother went on a car ride, a drive to Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic, um, and she went to her old town uh, wow. where she grew up, and she they were staying at a at a B and B somewhere, and the oh, proprietor of the B and B was her childhood best friend. No, I kid you not. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Wow, I was actually just going to ask you mm-hmm. if she ever went back. So, so that was the only time that really? she went back. Yeah. Do you know if it was emotional for her or um, yeah, or it, nice for her to go back? It really was. Um, and especially meeting her friend, there was mm-hmm. this, you know, they wrote for years and years until her friend's death, actually. So they remained quite close, which I think is really beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, and then a couple of years ago when I finished my undergrad and was traveling in Europe, I went to her, the town and found the house that she grew up in. Wow. And we were sort of hanging outside the door, um, taking pictures and like looking really awkward. And the guy who lived there came out and was like, what are you doing here? Um, so the, uh, woman I was traveling with spoke a little bit of German and so, and he spoke a little bit of German. So we were able to communicate and he showed us around the house and showed us where all the additions were and explained that, you know, he'd bought it off a really old lady who had died a number of years prior and this is what she changed and all of that. It was amazing. That's amazing to go back to her house. Mm -hmm. What did it look like? really normal a lot bigger (laughs) than I thought it would actually um it's sort of it's like a freestanding house there's sort of pinkish stucco on the outside um pretty you know definitely like pretty shabby but at the same time you know had so many renovations and it was really interesting to see sort of the life the house had taken on and knowing that it had been around for so long and had seen so much. And that having a personal connection to this random piece of land in a different continent was wow. very cool. That's so awesome that you were able to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I guess, wrap up a little bit. Um, is there any advice that your grandmother ever gave you? Oh my gosh. Um, there's a bunch of things <laughs> swirling around. I actually, there's a dot, like a note on my phone that's way too far back that has some of these things. But the one that comes to mind is never own property. It changes people. It changes people. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Okay. So, Rent for life. That's what pretty basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think that has something to do with her, what you said before she... Um, doesn't really have attachments to yeah, physical things. Absolutely. Wow. Well, she sounds like a really interesting lady, mm-hmm. and um, I'm excited to hear your stories about her when you come back. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do another round. Yes. Uh, Edith Ballantyne, part two, coming soon. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Davis. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. This was Davis Carr with stories from her grandmother. Thanks for listening to another episode of Stories from My Grandma. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, please leave a comment on the iTunes podcast page. You can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to get the latest episodes. Next week, I interview Nabil about his grandmother who was born in Delhi, India. Since her uncle was in the state legislature and her mother was a renowned cook, as a young teen, her family would frequently host Jinnah and Nehru at their house as they debated, discussed, and decided on the separation of India and Pakistan. You'll want to hear more about her. This new episode will be available next Thursday. I'm Chloe Hung, and this has been Stories from My Grandma. Mm-hmm.